Good evening. It's good to see everybody. I was hopeful. I was hopeful that we were going to stay outside tonight. My hopes were a little bit, a little bit squished, but we're going to light the fire afterwards and the grill is going to be really hot and we have a small house anyway. So if you get cold, you can just like kind of like do what the bees do and just stand real close to each other in the kitchen. <laughs> Let me pray for us. I'm going to read Psalm 133. I've got a few opening words and then I'm going to turn it over to our friend, um, Dr. Steve Martin. Father, we're so incredibly grateful for this ability to come together as a family tonight to glorify you in what we do. So we ask blessing on us tonight. We ask blessing on Steve and his family and the work that they're called to do for your kingdom. And we just ask that you allow us to do this joyfully um, with patience and perseverance and following the path that you've put us all on, Lord. So may we follow that path faithfully and we may do it all for the glory of your name above all names. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. I know if I say I only have a few words, you might not believe me, but I do... <laughs> I do, I do just have a few words before I, I turn it over to Dr. Steve. I want to read James 1, 19 through 27. This is what James says. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone who thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I love James a lot for so many reasons. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. And part of what I love about what he says right here is we're not just to be like people of books and spirituality. Oh, I'm spiritual, but not religious, <laughs> right? We are not people who are just supposed to suck up and receive little bits of information. We are people who are called to action. As Christians, we are called to action. We are people who are called to live our theology out of our fingertips. And you see, religion that is true and it is pure is practiced. It's not something that's merely spoken about. It's not just a conversation piece with people that you meet. We talk about it here all the time. It is all of Christ for all of life. And the reality is, family, is that all of you as Christians have great responsibility. That's just what it is. That's what it comes with being a Christian. And you have responsibility here and now, not just in the heavenly places far, far away. We know that we are people that are called to build God's kingdom now on earth as it is in heaven. And one way that we can act that out is to visit widows and orphans. The question that you should ask yourself is, why widows and orphans? And it's because it reflects the concerns that God himself has. Deuteronomy 10.18, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. 
Psalm 918, For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. You see, we are people who are called to live our faith in action. You're called to do something. You've been entrusted with great gifts. God has blessed all of us beyond measure and beyond belief. And these are gifts that we are to share. We say that every week at the, the tithes and offerings that we take during church. We share these gifts and share we will. And so faith without works is dead. James also says that. You're not saved by your works. You know this. But you can't be in faith if your works haven't changed. Sanctification is the living of your faith out. It is becoming more Christ-like. Widows lack a husband to protect them, to lead them, to care for them. Orphans lack a physical father. But what's incredible is our God, our incredibly gracious and kind God, as Psalm 68 tells us, He is the father to the fatherless and the protector of widows. And we are supposed to imitate Him. And so I would, I would charge you, as you listen to what Dr. Steve has to share with us today, and as we think about the work that we are called to do as a body of Christ, I would charge you to not be hearers who hear, but to be doers who act. And so without further ado, I present Dr. Steve Martin. So I'm not, I'm not a pilot, but uh, I worked four years in high school at a small airport in Houston as a line boy, yeah. answer the radio. Have you, have you, uh, so you had a blue juice surprise at some point in your life then. I don't know. Laugh, you know maybe a laugh oh yes, yes. <laughs> Feel the airplanes and I did, I mowed the grass runways, but the thing about that airport, Cloverfield Airport, is that it's real close to uh, NASA and some of those hotshot uh, astronauts had experimental planes and other planes and so You'd have to watch them real closely because you can't hear what's coming back behind you if you're on the tractor mowing the grass runway. <laughs> so they'd buzz me and you know, almost fall off the tractor. So. I'm sure it was uh, accidental on their part. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having us. I don't, I've never had such a um, biblical and uh, meaningful introduction before, so thank you. Wow. Uh, He's my helper. That's great. Okay, okay. So, yeah, you can bring it over there. Okay. Very involved. <laughs> Plus, think of all the good uh, heavy lifting. Wow. So, yeah, feel free to grab some seats. And I have about 25 minutes to share. And I've, you know, I've, I've prayed about what to talk about with these things. And I feel like I want to share what's uh, called... What, what we're called to and from my heart and also want to share about one of my favorite bible verses and it goes like this on the contrary the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable so uh, as a family doc i've had my fair share of pop quizzes over the years so i'm going to give a pop quiz uh, today so who know who knows what the uh, chat what the book and chapter is of this following passage so you can stop me when you know Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. You just not read arrogant. this the men's ministry on Monday. Okay, good. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. People that weren't there Monday. First Corinthians 13. 13. Yep. 14. That's right. There you go. At the very end. Now, faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. So that's 1 Corinthians 13. The verse that I want to talk about is from the chapter before in 1 Corinthians 12. So Paul's talking about the body of Christ, how there's many members. And then at one point, one member saying, why, why is that part part of the body? Or what in the world is that part even doing part of the body? 
And Paul says, no, on the contrary. He says three things. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 1 Corinthians 12, 22. And so my key message today is that we, New Hope Foundation, invites you to pray for us and to contribute monthly financially so that we can continue to care for 100 children who are orphaned and who have special needs in China. The three reasons why I'm inviting people are we believe they're part of the body of Christ. They seem to be weaker, yet they're indispensable in God's eyes. So we'll take those uh, one by one. First, we believe these children are a part of the body of Christ. The context is that children still are being abandoned in China. Um, we don't know what their families go through, what crisis happen. Sometimes if, if a child needs surgery, heart surgery, the family has to pay for all of it up front. We, we don't know. But the, when the children are abandoned, they, they are given to the government-run orphanages. And we have the privilege of being inside four of those orphanages, on the orphanage grounds. And we're inside there um, in four of the cities in China. And we have 100 children total. We set them up like uh, we call them a hope healing home. And um, um, sorry, <laughs> I'm not, I don't have the iPad. Uh, <laughs> not, I need to get the technology up to speed here. So that's our context. Our mission, New Hope Foundation's mission has three parts. The first part is relevant here. It's to comfort always. So every moment we get to have the children in our care, we comfort them, we pray for them, we give them good food, we give them a safe environment, and um, we give them an English name, we learn their Chinese names, and um, we try to make it as much like a family atmosphere as possible. And the next thing I wanted to talk about was what the Bible says about orphans, but you got all my verses. <laughs> Seriously, Psalm 68 is here. He upholds a uh, father of the fatherless. And a couple more, uh, Psalm 146, he upholds the widow and the fatherless. And Zechariah 7 says, Show kindness and mercy to one another and do not oppress the widow or the fatherless. And in James 1.27, then encourages us to visit orphans and widows in their distress. So we could see from the word that the orphans have a special place in God's heart. And we take a covenantal approach where we pray for them and assurance, we have assurance that these children are a part of the body. So I have a few stories along these, three stories along these lines. The first is Robin and Joyce Hill, 20 years ago, were living in China. They were the founders of New Hope. He's a successful businessman in Beijing. She's a family practice doctor, has a clinic and a practice. And they visit an orphanage with their small group or their church. And, uh, you know, because it's good to visit, visit the orphanage. But they never wanted to go back uh, unless they felt like they could do something. Because she could see, I can help that child and that child. Uh, but just visiting was not something they were interested in doing again. Um, and God called them to step out. He quit his job. She quit her practice. And they said they got in a river. They didn't know where the river was going. And uh, 20 years later, 2,800 kids later, uh, they've been able to help, help a lot. We moved from Texas um, 13 years ago to help them out. And uh, 
it's been a great journey for us too. It's that we talked about this last night at the men's meeting last night, but it's this idea of it's Abraham's call. We like to have we'd like to know where the path is, right? <laughs> It'd be really nice if that was like, here you go. But a lot of times it's it's following with faith. It's going to the land to where he will show you. And you don't know where that land will be. It could be China, it could be Southwest Denver. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but the place, the path that he leads is really incredible. Well, the next story is about Cyrus. That's um, a boy that was born seven months into the, into the pandemic, and uh, we got him when he was two months old. Here you go, bud. He's my. You gonna show it? When he came to us, he was real small and thin, and had some repeated lung infections, and uh, his, his skin was real dry. Hmm. And then, so we took him into our care, gave him gave him the English name Cyrus, and. Gave him creams for his skin and treatment for his lung infections and fattened him up. And now he's a, a chubby three-year-old. Uh, <laughs> and he's a good friend with Walker. Walker wanted me to. He's, he's Walker's friend. <laughs> so we have a card uh, of, of him that uh, Walker likes to show his friend off. <laughs> when COVID hit, we weren't sure what was going to happen. We weren't sure... Our friends were leaving, flights were being sh getting shut down, and we weren't sure what to do, and we prayed and asked God if He wants us to stay, you know, make it possible. There was, you know, many impenetrable walls of regulation, of funding, of all sorts of challenges, and somehow the Lord just asked, wanted us to take one more step, and it just would melt in front of us, and somehow we're still there. And really one of the only organizations that has foreigners that are involved with taking care of orphans in China at this point. It used to be a lot, but now there's, we feel very thankful and privileged. So to put this first point together and reveal how it's, to discuss how it's relevant to us today, we believe these children are a part of the body. And prayers and support, it, it brings two parts of the body together in unity. And it shows love literally around the world to those who are not yet part of the body. <laughs> Good job. Oh, yeah, I need to keep the papers. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Back to the verse. Parts of the body seem to be weaker are indispensable. So these children seem to be weaker in that all the 100 children we have in our care have some degree of special needs. They have medical, physical, surgical challenges. Um, we ask the orphanages to give them. The context is we ask the orphanage to give us their sickest children, their children that are the most difficult for them to care for, and that's, that's where we, we thrive. You give me a sick baby, the medical team, limited resources, that's, that's, that's our sweet spot. That's where I thrive. This is not where I thrive. I, I drop the papers and stuff like that. But it's fine. But, uh, but that's, that's, where we, uh, that's where our heart is. Um, our mission, context, uh, uh, comfort always. The second part is to relieve often. So we try to arrange the best surgeries available for them. If they're suffering, we relieve their physical suffering as much as we're able. And we have a great team. Have two other doc we have two other docs on the team, nine nurses. Seven of them are from the Philippines. And if you've never been cared for by a Filipino nurse, uh, that's, that, they are just golden. 
and two of the nurses are from the uh, from China. Um, we have an amazing worldwide network that Dr. Joyce and, and Robin set up where we can call experts who are the best in their fields and arrange surgery. So it's a great it's a great setup. Um, so what is a what does the Bible say? Go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say about weakness? They seem to be weaker. Well, what we could see is that um, um, in Psalm 8, where he says, Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established, what? Strength. <laughs> and then in uh, Isaiah 35, it says, Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those... Um, who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not, for behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And then this next part of the verse is so great. And we do what we can with medicines and surgeries, but there's a greater hope in heaven. And it continues and says, then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf. We have children who can't see. We have children who are deaf. Then the lame man shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. And then in 2 Corinthians 12, not 1 Corinthians 12 where our verse is, but 2 Corinthians 12, Paul has a thorn in his side, and he asks for it to be removed. But what is the Lord's answer <laughs> to him? He says, for my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. And then right there at the end of the passage, clear as day, he says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. I've seen a, I've seen a hard grown man come over to us on a trip, whatever, take an orphan child into his arms and just break down. And we've seen, we've seen these kids be used by God to reach people who are otherwise resistant to God's love. These are mighty, mighty things that God's using them for. Um, so two, story, two more stories about this. Is One is a girl named Ellie. Here, will you show Ellie? She's got quite the hairdo. Uh, she's a four-and-a-half-year-old girl. She's full of spunk, full of life. She's a little sassy, and that's good. Um, and she's got um, spina bifida. And we've had her in our care quite a while. She's had three surgeries. Um, she's smart. She's creative. But she can't move her legs, so she'll have those challenges later in life. But she has her whole life in front of her, you know. And so this is a girl that's an example of, of relief often, of us trying to help her physical needs and uh, being there for her. We've also seen one, one more story along the weakness is that we've seen children who were um, healed in ways we, we otherwise were not able to do ourselves. And a boy named Paco came to us maybe, t excuse me, 10 or, 10 or more years ago. Sorry. And um, he was very sick, very small, had a lot of trouble breathing. And we got a chest X-ray. And there was a hole in his heart, a hole in his lung, in his, sorry, Get the right organ here. <laughs> a hole in his... They don't even know a There's a hole in the bottom of the sea, is that it? No. <laughs> oh, thank you. His diaphragm. 
He had a hole in his diaphragm so big that all of his organs and intestines were pushed up into the lung and you couldn't even see the, the lung on the x-ray. So we sent him to the surgeon and they sent him back without surgery and he was still sick, saying that he wouldn't survive the anesthesia or um, they just couldn't do it. So we took care of him and fed him and prayed for him and um, he needed to get up to a certain weight and so um, we tried to fatten him up to get to that weight to have the surgery and days turned into weeks, turned into months and then finally he, was, he got up enough weight, we repeated the chest x-ray and it was normal, totally normal. I had to check and make sure the name, it was the right name on the <laughs> x-ray, they didn't give me another baby. Uh, but we, we believe God healed him, a slow motion healing uh, answer to prayer for him. So, To put this second point all together and discuss how it's relevant to us today, these children are physically weak, but God's using for them for mighty things. And it's up to him to turn their weakness into great things for his glory. But in the meantime, praying for them, praying for us, helping us, it, it directly enables us to give them the surgical care, the medical care, and you know, the prayer care that we think that they need. So parts of the body seem to be weaker, indispensable in God's eyes. We believe these children are indispensable. Um, the context is a third of the children... 2,800 children we've cared for, and about a third of them have been adopted into loving families. And it's just the best thing. Last, we got to have dinner with a, with a family last night, a girl that just came to us is so small, and she also had lung infections, and now she's, she's, doing, she's doing gymnastics, and she's just, awesome. it was amazing to see. And a believing family, and God's raising up this generation of kids that might not, might not have otherwise made it. Um, and then a third of the children, whenever, if, we're, if our beds are full, whenever we get a new baby that's sick, the healthiest child, maybe the child that had the cleft lip and palate surgery or whatever, they're done with their surgeries, the child would go back to the orphanage. And then a third of the children, as you can imagine, if we take the, the sickest children that the orphanage has, about a third of the children have passed away. Um, so... We believe God knows the plans for each child. And our mission, comfort always, relieve often. The part that's relevant here is to save sometimes. Comfort always, relieve often, save sometimes. In other words, we do everything we can to sustain their life here on earth, but we're also grateful when any one of them survives. And we've had the privilege of... Um, um, taking care, we, we consider it one of our greatest privileges to take care of children when it is in their last, their last weeks. The, you know, these are very difficult things to talk about, uh, difficult things to do. So let's turn back to the Bible and see what, what assurances we can have. Um, because we can see in 2 Corinthians 4 that God gives us a greater perspective. And he says this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison <laughs> as we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. 
For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are what? Eternal. <laughs> and then there's great assurances that God knows best, even when we don't understand. Deuteronomy 32 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. All His ways are just. A God of faithfulness without injustice. Righteous and upright is He. And Psalm 18 says, This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. And then in Revelation 21, almost there, right at the very end, he gives us assurance about his plans for the future where he says he will wipe away every tear and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And in Romans 8, at the end where he assures us that he will never leave us, ever, he says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Knowing death has truly been conquered, knowing that we can always trust Him even when we don't understand, it gives a hope and a joy in the midst of anything. So when Paco came back to us without his surgery, we, uh, we didn't expect him to survive. We didn't give up hope, a future hope in heaven, and maybe a hope for this life, but we still loved him and were able to care for him with joy, even when things looked really difficult and bleak. So a couple more stories. There's a, boy named, a girl named Kara who is just the sweetest thing. She's five months old now, and she has Down no, syndrome. No, she's six months. Oh, six months, sorry. <laughs> You're right, time's passed a little bit. I know, yeah. So she has Down syndrome, and this intestinal condition when she was born where there was, the stool couldn't come out. There was no opening. And that combination was, even four or five years ago, was almost 100% lethal. And part of the reason we think is that they were just waiting too long to do anything. Uh, uh, six, seven or more days before any surgery and you know, things would back up and just get really sick. Uh, but the local hospitals are doing the surgery. Uh, so she had a colostomy where the stool comes out the front. So it just relieves the pressure for now and she'll have other surgeries later. But they did that in the first couple days and saved her life. And now we get to care for her. And, so she's, she's one of those that we really see as a survivor, um, really is. All right, I have two more stories. One involves um, an almost disaster, and God, God, you know, shows that he, you know, we're thankful that he is in control. There was a boy that uh, had a very serious, life-threatening nervous system condition that needed surgery and the surgeon the neurosurgeon that's good i need an mri machine so this is my mri machine yeah right there it's good thank you the surgeon wanted an mri and we already had a cat scan but he wanted an mri and as you know cat scans can be real fast just zoop but an mri take 20 
30 minutes just sitting in there. And part of the problem with this boy is that his oxygen level was not good on a good day. And then, then they were not monitoring the children in the MRI machine. So we just need to put him in there and then come back, make sure he was okay later. Make sure he was still breathing. But he needed the, he needed the, uh, he needed the surgery. We didn't trust any other surgeons, and so he needed the MRI. So we got we 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 got the MRI. Uh, I went in to see, and he was still breathing. He's still alive. So thank you, Father. Um, and then, um, so I'm right there. The nurse is right here, and then the tech, the guy that runs the whole thing, and then he's pushing buttons. You know, right here, he turns around. And time starts going really slowly, and his eyes get real big. And he goes like the Chinese equivalent of, no. <laughs> so I turn around just in time to see our nanny uh, come in with the bag, trying to be helpful, carrying the metal oxygen tank, steel oxygen tank about this long, about this big. Uh, I don't want to be the fish story, you know, <laughs> it's this long. <laughs> No, it, it, it was a small tank. It was not the stand-up tank. It was a portable tank, but still is about that big around. She's seen how big the elk was. Yeah. But she comes, she comes, so I turn around just in time to see her come in and see the tank rip itself out of the bag she's carrying it in, fly through the air. Because, you know, the MRI is a huge magnet, right? Huge. So it flies through the air right behind me, like that, and then goes back. Bang into the inside of the inside the inside of the MRI. That's crazy. Yeah, but fortunately the baby was already taken out. Oh my god! So the nurse grabs the baby and runs out, but the tank starts leaking oxygen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, but I knew that there's a little valve to, de to to determine the flow of oxygen to the child. So I reached in there and turned that, but it was still leaking. And then the the tech's trying to pull the tank out, which isn't, you know, that's not going to work. Um, and, then, and then there's other commotion. But I knew that that valve kind of sat on the top of the tank with another screw part. But I couldn't get in there to do anything because commotion and everything. So I prayed. I went around the back and got, got in because it was kind of deep. Got in and turned the, the top part on the tank and it stopped. The leak stopped. So praise the Lord. Um, I mean, that could have been bad, you know, yeah. in many ways. Yeah, <laughs> could have been a situation. So we went out to the waiting room, and, you know, what do you do when you, what's a culturally appropriate response when you get an oxygen tank stuck in the local MRI machine? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, we missed that part of the training, you know. <laughs> so do you run away? Do Sorry. you? <laughs> yeah. So the, the chief of radiology, the head guy, he comes and he's just sweating, just sweating. And he goes, he comes up and he says, it was so kind, he says, can we get you the results in the films later on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Um, but later, I, I, right before we came this last time, I saw, we went to that same hospital to get some tests. And, uh, oh yeah, and I saw that chief there and wasn't sure what he was going to say, but he saw me and invited me into his office, and we took some pictures, and uh, I don't know where that relationship uh, will go, and 
that boy ended up passing away, but God, God had some plan through all of that, and yeah, so that's that's our MRI story. Plus, I think everybody's always wondered how powerful the magnet of the MRI is. Did you get the MRI? Like, you don't have any metal on you, do you? Like, no, no, no. How bad could it possibly be? Right. Well, oxygen bottle across the room. Yeah, <laughs> that's all bad. So, yep. There's one more story, a boy named Ernest and a boy named Duke, that, that um, these guys, Grace and Walker and Bruce, got to know before coming over here. And they were sweet, and Duke was a surprise, but Ernest was really sick. About a month after coming back to the States this trip, I got the call from the nurse that Ernest had passed away and uh, needed to tell the fam and uh, it was my wife, Laura, that reminded me again that, um, and Walker. yeah, and Duke, that they must have fulfilled God's purpose for their short life here on earth, and that we can, we can trust the Lord. We can trust Him. So to put this third point together, discuss how it's relevant to us today, we believe um, these children are indispensable in God's eyes. And God fulfills amazing purpose. Because what does the verse say? It, they're not just a part of God's plan. They're not just an important part of God's plan. They're indispensable. <laughs> Absolutely necessary. Infinitely precious. Crucial. Vital. Required. What this... What this means is that God loves them and they matter in ways we can't even, even fathom. So investing time to pray, investing monthly to support, we believe it makes an eternal difference that's beyond measure. So I love the noises. It's great. We've got eight, so it's no problem. Like, it's great. I love it. So before I conclude, I want to make one more point, if I may. Please. Because who else is not just a part of God's plan? Who else is not just important? God fearfully and wonderfully made each one of us. <laughs> we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Do we feel weak, distracted at times? Maybe we don't. Maybe you don't know that. No, you are infinitely precious in God's eyes and absolutely necessary, absolutely necessary for His plans. So, if you don't know that, talk to Pastor Craig, because it's true. So let us celebrate each other today as children of the living God. <laughs> so, in conclusion, because... Parts of, no, 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 the, uh, the, <laughs> in conclusion, no, in conclusion, three reasons. We believe these children are part of the body. They seem to be weaker, yet they're indispensable in God's eyes. We're inviting you to pray and to support so that we can continue to care for 100 children who are orphaned, who have special needs in China. So that's my calling. You know, love is the greatest of those. Love is what brings the parts of the body together. I just so we feel so welcomed to come. This is a great expression of bringing the body together, 
even if no, no prayer or support has come from this, just being able to be in the body like this is such an encouragement. So thank you. And it's love that helps those who are hurting. Love sees beyond what can be seen. And so that's the love that's called us, and that's the love that um, he died to save us from. So. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Good. I forgot You thank you. I'll uh, stay up here for a second because I want to pray for you and New Hope. And I want to say just a couple quick things. So this came together because Dennis and Dr. Steve knew each other. And Dennis said to me, you've got to meet my friend. He runs this, this orphanage and you guys will get along. And I think it's a really wonderful thing. And th- here's the reality. There are a lot of places that everybody can give their giving to. Um, and, and there are a lot of incredible places that you can give your money to. Um, there's also a lot of places that take money and have lots and lots of overhead and have lots and lots of layers of people. And the money that you give doesn't go to the people that you give it to. And we've been really particular in how we give in the thigh household in charitable giving. Um, because we want to make sure that the resources that God has shepherded us with other people can, can rightfully go and shepherd them for his kingdom. And I I've shared this with Dennis, but I haven't shared this with you. So you can act surprised. This is first time. So I, I signed up as the church, and the church gives a very small donation monthly to New Hope because I, I trust Dennis, and I, I like the website, and yeah, I trust Dennis. And so, <laughs> and literally an hour after I had set up the recurring donation, I got a personal email from Steve, which is, and usually you get like a canned email from stuff, right? You're like, hey, thank you so much for giving to ABC. We really appreciate your, and, and I'm, I'm, grateful when people send those things too. But in Steve's email, he said, I really liked your website. And that I think you said something about our Saturday night rhythms. That would be really fun to come to. He really said that in the, it's something in, like that in the email. And the thing, one, it was, it's God's providence that we now get to welcome you and do this with you. But what was really encouraging for me was you were the real person behind the real computer. And he thanked me, a real person behind a real computer. And then it starts this dialogue. And then the dialogue is, we both know Dennis, and the dialogue is, we're going to be in Denver. And then I said, well, we have this kind of rowdy band of misfits, and you should come and and speak. And um, these are real people. This is a real family that has committed their life to walk and do this. All of these things take resources. Um, All of us would love it if we could do this without having to go and say, please help prayerfully financially support. I think nobody's favorite game is to say, hey, we need resources. I like fundraising for church stuff is my least favorite thing to do in the history of all the things. And, and when you're in ministry and you're doing these things, most of it is just a faithful walk with the Lord, but the work they're doing is critical and it, it takes resources. And so, um, these are the real people. These are the real children. This isn't like the television ad and, and you can't really figure out like, are these the real people and the real kids? And these are the other kids who are impacted for their rest of their lives and how they get to serve. And so I would encourage you when we get to spend the evening um, with the Martin, I just like no relation to the actor. That's all I can keep <laughs> thinking about is Steve Martin, but no relation to the actor. Because we I'm get this. Junior. Yeah. I, junior, but... I don't know if he's a junior or not. I don't think he is. The question is, is his name even really Steve Martin? It might be like a stage name. Who knows? But we have this beautiful opportunity tonight, not only to show them what we do here, which is great, but interact and ask questions and ask the things that you would want to ask. I, I think we all probably have a lot of questions just about it all, and we're grateful for the work that you're doing. So what I'd like to do is um, pray for New Hope right now as a church family. Um, Barnes will be here tonight, so pick their brains, get on the email list, see the cool work that they're doing, ask all the questions, 
eat your fill. Um, we're going to sing Psalm 134, and then I know it's a little bit later than usual, but I'm going to go throw a whole bunch of burgers and brats and eat appetizers until then. Um, so let's, let's pray together as a church, and let's pray for new hope and the work that they're doing, and, and then let's just joyfully sing and feast for the Lord until we all get too tired. Also, Sunday school tomorrow morning at church, and none of you have an excuse not to be there because you get an extra hour of sleep tonight. Uh, yeah. So set your clocks, uh, set your clocks back, and then show up early, and I'll give you breakfast. Yeah, and I'll give you breakfast in the morning when we do that. Um, if you'll join me, let's pray. Father, we are so incredibly grateful for uh, just the connections that you make and the people that you bring into our lives and the incredible work that they're doing. And so we we pray blessing on New Hope and the, the work that the Martin family and all of the staff and all of the volunteers and all of the people that prayerfully support their ministry do. Lift them up, Lord. Um, things can be uncertain and, and <laughs> takes great trust and faith to continue to walk in the path that you've called us to do. And so we ask you to fill our hearts with, with grace and mercy and patience and so that we can do that in joy. And we especially pray that for the Marden family. And so lift them up, Lord. Lift the children in their care up that they can, they can see the gospel through the hands and the feet of the people that are caring for them. All of these incredible children, all of these incredible staff members, all of these lives that are touched for your kingdom. Lord, everybody on this earth is an image bearer of you. And so we, we care for your people, Lord. We love our neighbors. We love our enemies. And we do this with joy because you created us and you didn't have to. And so we are here to glorify you. And so we, uh, we pray for the continued work that New Hope does in glorifying your name above all other names. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.